So I make electricity from the sun. With that electricity, I make water out of air. With that water, it would go into the pressure tank. Mm -hmm. That pressure tank would say, go to the water heater. The mm -hmm. water heater was a heat pump water heater, which we would use the electricity from the sun to use heat the water heater. Right. The byproduct of the water heater is the air conditioning. So that's the only air conditioning we would use is we'd pipe the air conditioning out of the water heater and into the house. Yeah. And then the shower would, you take a shower and that shower water goes out to my fruit trees in the front yard. And that was all gravity fed. Wow. So make electricity, make water, heat the water with electricity from the sun, shower, and then feed the fruit trees. Hello, this is Izumi Tanaka with Home Green Homes podcast. I had the privilege of talking to Ryan McEvoy, a principal and founder of Gaia Development. While Gaia Development has an impressive track record of developing more than 500 sustainable buildings around the world, our conversation was about Campbell Collective, which is a residential property he bought and renovated in the middle of Los Angeles, guided by the Living Building Challenge garnering zero energy certification. With regenerative and permacultural design, the place is now an urban oasis, providing the community with fruits, vegetables, and herbs throughout the year. Let's hear how he achieved it. So uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being here with me today. And yeah, I would love for you to tell me about where you came from. And I'm always interested in the story, how we end up in this space of doing regenerative, sustainable, green development and um, how we ended up in this space. Yeah. Yeah. So my background I was born and raised in Pasadena. Um, and we used to capture rainwater because even though I'm in my mid forties, we've been in a drought in LA ever since I was a kid. We used to have a shower head that felt like a fire hose, <laughs> but I guess it was the old school water efficient shower heads was, um, but yeah, so I went to college in Santa Cruz and my major was community studies, a major geared towards social change, environmental justice, and how to create change in community. I then went and did an internship, which we're required to do. We're supposed to do an internship for six months anywhere in the world. Um, and I went down to Australia and I was working on a regenerative program down there on a property. And I was studying permaculture at the Permaculture Research Institute. Um, so I really got my hands dirty at Bill Mollison's property mm. uh, in Australia, which was great. And then I came back and I wrote my thesis uh, on energy. And so in the year 2000, it's about 140 pages, but it was all on energy and and where it comes from, how it's produced, global warming, you know, nuclear waste. Uh, what does the IPC say even back then? Uh, back then it was the Kyoto Protocol. Mm -hmm. What is Harvard, Stanford, Yale? What are they all saying? And once you spend a year writing a thesis on energy and climate change and know that all these hurricanes and storms and, and flooding and, and drought and, 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 and loss of habitat is imminent, uh, it's kind of hard to not dedicate the rest of your life towards it, at least for me. Yeah. So I've been working on energy ever since then. But when I graduated, 
Uh, my family was doing a real estate development project mm -hmm. up in Pasadena. And so we were the 12th lead project ever done. We're number 224 in the world. So one of the first 250 projects. And uh, nobody really done lead. So I became a lead AP in 2002. And, mm -hmm. um, and we're the first lead speculative commercial building ever built in the world. Wow. Um, and so then people start saying, hey, how do you do lead? How do you do it? So while the goal is to keep doing development, uh, we end up being more consultants because we have the experience on development. So we could speak the language of costs and, you know, uh, contractors and change orders and, and specifications and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where then that spun out. So Guy was created in 2005. And we mainly focus on lead energy modeling, commissioning, carbon footprint, owner rep for solar. We've done our own solar PPAs. Mm -hmm. We have our solar, a water company working on advanced water technologies, but mainly we're consultants. I see. Um, and so my property is more my passion pet project. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So at, at Gaia, our clients are more national developers. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of industrial developers, we did the W Hotel at Hollywood and Vine. I was on that for like 10 years. Uh, different, you know, Google headquarters in Irvine. So we work on commercial buildings, uh, UCLA, UC San Diego. Uh, but we don't really work on residentials. We've done like mm -hmm. one or two residentials, but we don't work in residential. Right. But of course, my home is going to be as sustainable as I can possibly make it. Right. Uh, so that's why we're talking today. Yeah. I thank you so much. That's impressive. Uh, I noticed I, I was looking at your website and looking at all the projects that you worked on. It's quite impressive. And it's no wonder that you want to do something for your own home. And and it's, I find it interesting that um, that you are doing lead. And now we're going to talk about your home, that you have all these pedals from Living Future. Uh, Institute. So yeah. let's talk about your home. We are uh, we are calling it Campbell Collective. That's yeah. a case study, right? Yeah. And, um, and you earned uh, three pedals of uh, living uh, living challenge, living yeah. building challenge. Um, yeah. And and I have a living uh, living future accreditation LFA. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, I know. I I um I do have the accreditation, but I can't say that I feel quite versed, you know, about the living future um, yeah. uh, accreditation or uh, living challenge, uh, uh, living building challenge and so forth. So you can explain to us, um, you know, briefly about living uh, living challenge, uh, building challenge. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and and Maybe you can tell me why you chose to go with uh, living building uh, certification as opposed to lead. Yeah, that's all very good questions. So mm -hmm. I'll start with living building challenge it was created by ILFI, International Living Future Institute. Um, Jason McLennan said, hey, lead doesn't go far enough. We need to have net zero energy, net zero water. Nothing in the building can be on the EPA red list of concern. So zero toxins, produce all your own energy, use no combustible fuels, manage all your water on site, produce it on site, manage it on site. Uh, so it's definitely a, a step above uh, the usual certification. Mm -hmm. uh, also, this home was, a, it's an existing home built in the 40s that I was rehabbing. Um, and I wasn't doing a huge gut rehab. So I wasn't 
ripping everything out and bring it down to the studs. I was ripping out the bathroom in the kitchen. Um, so a, a little bit different. Leap for homes. Um, it works for some people, and I don't want to uh, be too. I don't want to put lead for homes down, but it was really kind of a lead for new construction morphed into homes and shoved into a home program. I don't think it's as, I think there's opportunity for improvement, uh, but it's not really designed for an existing home. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't want any combustible fuels. I don't want any toxins in my home. Right. I produce water on site. I put it all to my fruit trees. Um, and so living building challenge was the, the right choice. Mm -hmm. uh, I do have my own opinion of the certification mm -hmm. and I'm not really a huge fan after going through it mm -hmm. I wouldn't really recommend it always to other people um, for a variety of reasons, it's not really designed for an existing building. Yeah. Uh, for example, local regional materials and your carbon footprint, uh, we aren't building a new structure. So mm -hmm. I'm yeah. not getting local regional points, but yeah. yet. 98% of that structure I saved. Mm -hmm. So had I demoed it, taken it across the street and brought it back, mm -hmm. I would have got my regional points. And you have to have right. a certain amount of regional points. Right. So there's and some- you didn't even move them. I didn't move them. So had <laughs> I just chopped it down, taken it across the street, given yeah. it to my neighbor and then bought it from my neighbor, <laughs> uh, I, I would have gotten. So th there's some items that, you know, that don't work well for me. It's mm -hmm. Some donations to certain nonprofits or other things. Mm -hmm. I'm not against that. Mm -hmm. uh, just, I think the program is not designed for existing buildings. Yeah. Um, and so we did not get full certification, even though we per made more water on site than we use in a year. We wow. produce more electricity than we ever used, and we use no combustible fuel. Mm -hmm. And every material we use was red list free. Yeah. We didn't get certified. Wow. So. Um, and I think there's maybe 300 people have tried, maybe 18 to 20 have gotten certified. That's amazing. So it's very rigorous, and I agree with the rigor. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think that there's, I think, I don't know. I think yeah. there's opportunities to be a little bit more flexible and yeah. to work with owners or developers on the certification to ensure they get certified. If you're meeting the intent mm -hmm. with lead, you get the point. Yeah. Um, and their reference guide document is is okay. You know, lead has it a little bit mm -hmm. better put together. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there are so many different certifications out there right now. And I, I would say that no, no one is perfect and they all no. have a lot of rooms yeah. to, for improvement, but I really love, you know, living, living building, uh, certification is that you know that for the water and energy and carbon they require to be net positive not rather yeah. above like you said it's it goes above lead standard and you also have to keep it up right you have to yeah you have to keep you have to do it for a year yeah, yeah we're lead you mm -hmm. do that for lead for existing buildings but lead for new construction is just building it um right. and living building challenge you have to right. prove it in the right. year window that we did it we only had five inches five and a quarter inches of rain because mm. last year we had <laughs> too much rain yeah it was so crazy yeah and even the summer yeah we've never gotten i've been collecting rainwater for 11 years on this property mm -hmm. we have never gotten three inches of rain in the middle of the summer i know we, we, there's maybe been three times we've had like a half inch to an inch one time uh -huh. in the summer yeah never three inches and and then another half inch and an inch uh -huh. i mean it's been 
it's been real crazy. Right. So what did you do with the water from the last? Uh, I store it. I store it all. I mean, you I have tons did? of water storage in a half inch rain event. Uh -huh. I think I collect about 2,300 gallons in a half inch rain event across the property. Yeah. Yeah. So you store so, them, you store them underground or do you have your rain barrels above ground? Uh, I have some rain barrels above ground. And right now I'm in the process of digging a, a, a like a pondless creek. So mm -hmm. it's a water feature uh -huh. that drops through the ground. So there's no oh, pond, wow. but it's storage underground. So I'm going to store uh -huh. water underground. Uh -huh. uh, but it's all been above ground storage, mm -hmm. which is easier to gravity feed the water. Right. Um, yeah. Right. So now um, with the living challenge, a living building challenge, there are seven pedals and you earned three yeah. out of seven. So yeah, so we would have gotten energy, but I think they we were supposed to buy credits or something. And I'm like, uh, oh I produce 125 percent of the annual energy use. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was one that we yeah I, i'm surprised that you didn't get energy i was surprised when i i was reading through your uh website and i'm surprised that you didn't get water or energy pedal um where it sounds like you're net positive yeah. but that didn't, yeah that didn't. so the water the water issues that they want us to spend five thousand dollars on a civil engineer to do a site survey oh my god um and verify the stormwater that went off of my driveway there was a, a little area of my driveway that goes into dirt that percolates into the ground uh -huh. but because i didn't have a civil engineer signing off mm. we didn't get that but the thing oh, is is that we capture all the rain on the property except mm -hmm. for a little bit of the driveway mm -hmm. that does percolate into the dirt yeah. but i didn't have a stamped engineer record of that oh i see um, and then i had atmospheric water generators so we <laughs> were producing water out of air so using, mm -hmm. it's like a big dehumidifier right that we would run and so with five and a half inches of rain, it's not a lot of water. Mm -hmm. So I would make water out of air. So I make electricity from the sun. With that electricity, I make water out of air. With that water, it would go into the pressure tank. Mm -hmm. That pressure tank would say, go to the water heater. The mm -hmm. water heater was a heat pump water heater, which we would use the electricity from the sun to use heat the water heater. Right. The byproduct of the water heater is the air conditioning. So that's the only air conditioning we would use is we'd pipe the air conditioning out of the water heater and into the house. Yeah. And then the shower would, you take a shower and that shower water goes out to my fruit trees in the front yard. And that was all gravity fed. Wow. So make electricity, make water, heat the water with electricity from the sun, shower, and then feed the fruit trees. Wow. Uh, we had, we had a compost condition. toilet. Uh -huh. The compost toilet is really what helped decrease the energy. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, the water, because water. you know, use a lot of water to flush a mm -hmm. toilet. Mm -hmm. um, and then at some point the neighbors called because it smelled um, out a vent pipe that we had up at the roof that was mm -hmm. close to there. Right. They have a two-story house next door. So the city started coming by. So we took that out and put in a, a, a toilet that has a sink on the top. Um, oh, wow. And that was another issue that they didn't like is that we would wash our hands and they said, well, you maybe wash your hands with half a gallon not 0.7 gallons <laughs> so not all the water in the tank was gray water uh-huh and i had enough water to flush the toilet with the rainwater and atmospheric water generation and that's what i do now so now that we're out of the program 
all of my laundry and all of my toilet flushing is rainwater. Wow. Yeah. And then the laundry goes to the fruit trees as well. Mm -hmm. Now, I am I am a, a aware of the atmospheric water generation system. Um, did you uh, did you come out with it yourself? I, I know there's an architect in Venice. Um, David Hertz. David Hertz. Yeah. He has, a, um, he has a system. Is that his? Is this his system or? Yeah, and he went and he got one of the X Prize. He didn't know about the X Prize, mm -hmm. and I told him about it. And so then he bought part of a company, and then they were able to win the X Prize. I see. Um, so he didn't create that. He bought that mm -hmm. company. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the same technology, pretty much. They use desiccants. They're using salt. Mm. Ours doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because his his system provides potable water. Yeah. Right? So does and, ours. So our system, so, mm -hmm. I had it tested, third-party tested, to see, you know, amount of aluminum or iron. Right. Or chlorine, everything mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And so I have those. We should put these on your website website but it has our water and i tested the city water uh-huh because my machine is illegal to run your house on but you have to use the city water and the city water has like chlorine fluoride lead you know yeah. has all these things and then our water they, they they calculate it in parts per million and so it's like oh the amount of chlorine you're allowed to have is say i don't remember off the top of my head but let's say it's like 80 to 120. Wow. So ours is non-detectable. The amount of aluminum might be like 15 to 60, mm -hmm. whatever the number is. Mm -hmm. And ours is like two. So every single time we're far below the threshold wow. or non-detectable, non-detectable, non-detectable. So yeah, because the air doesn't have lead in it. The air doesn't mm -hmm. have fluoride, doesn't have chlorine, mm -hmm. doesn't have heavy metals. Right. And there's an air filter and then it goes across a compressor, goes through another filter. And then it has UV light, an inlet filter, a, a pre-filter, a carbon filter, reverse osmosis, mm -hmm. mineralized to add the minerals, and then post-mineral uh, filter. And then it goes to the top tank, and it has another UV light. Wow. So our water is heavily filtered, and it starts out what you and I are breathing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, the air in LA is a little bit dirty, but, you know, we have all these filters. Mm -hmm. So it's... Uh, yeah, the water is great. It's the only water I drink and have drank for many years. Amazing. So yeah. can we talk about the pedals that you did earn? You earned yeah. a place pedal and health and happiness pedal and beauty pedal. Um, how how were they achieved? In yeah, I mean, the, 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 those items, you know, the health and happiness mm -hmm. is really, you know, we, we the you can sit outside in nature, you have views mm -hmm. from every window. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're in a, a zone where we can ride bikes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we connect a community. We continue to have workshops. So why we call it Campbell Collective mm -hmm. is that we are running a thing called Second Sundays. Mm -hmm. So the second Sunday of every month, mm -hmm. we had workshops and trainings. Mm -hmm. So we would do like a raised garden bed workshop and yoga or oh, wow. a meditation workshop and breathwork workshop. Wow. Um, and so we're opening up the property for tours and community, yeah. and it's a place of connection um, mm -hmm. and of people to be able to come and, and connect and collaborate. Mm -hmm. um, one of our neighbors, well, then the pandemic happened. Right. So then once the pandemic happened, uh, we stopped doing those workshops because we weren't gathering and 
together. Um, and, but one of my neighbors, she loved the, the project so much, four doors down. She mm-hmm. then started making raised garden beds and revamped her whole garden. And she was going through some depression. Uh, and it really just brought her up and engaged her and brought her out of a funk. Wow. The next door neighbor to her saw all that, which is yeah. two doors down for me. And she then started gardening a bunch. And now she went back to school to oh, wow. be an arborist um, and a horticulturist. So she's getting her degree in horticulture when not those neighbors ever, you know, were gardeners before. Um, That's incredible. Yeah, so it's been ripple fun effect too. of what you did. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's been great and connected to the community and mm-hmm. um, and then the water I mentioned, you know, we didn't get the pedal, but the water we were we disconnected the city water when I went to go work with the I had LADWP come out to turn it off mm-hmm. and I took a picture and the guy's like, don't take a picture of me. Why are you taking a picture? I'm like, no, I'm like turning off the city water right? <laughs> indefinitely. Um, he's like, okay, just don't get my face in it. I'm like, all right. Um, and so we, we even ran our kitchen water into the Uh garden, which is not usually recommended, but there's vegetarians on the property. So there Mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, meats and dairies. Mm -hmm. Um, and that worked out pretty well. And as Mm -hmm. I said, the solar, and then we also pulled out, there's no natural gas. I took out the heater Mm -hmm. and water heater. Um, we also had, we have beekeeping, so bees on site, we have chickens on site. Um, and yeah. Are your chickens laying eggs? Yes, they lay eggs. Wow. I mean, in some, some areas of LA, you, you're not allowed to have chicken coop. So in Mar Vista, you're, you're good to do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, we, you're allowed to have chickens as long as they're not a nuisance to your neighbors. So okay. you have to make sure that your neighbors are happy, <laughs> uh, which sometimes is a little bit hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sharing that. Then, so, but that goes back to like community, health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I have about 20 fruit trees. Mm-hmm. So fruit trees that we have is I have tangelo, mandarin, kumquat, fig, pomegranate, uh, Plum, apricot, fingling lime, lemon, rosemary, orange, guava, banana, passion fruit, peach. I think I said plum. Yeah, walnut, grapefruit, um, guava. Wow. I'm sure, I'm sure I've missed a few. Some aloe, uh, lemon. So whenever I have abundance, I definitely am providing those to my neighbors, and sure. sometimes they're providing some back. Mm-hmm. Um, I have actually I have a. a pepper corn tree mm-hmm. so i'm giving i'm taking one out this week and giving it to a neighbor wow. uh, so i'm constantly giving things away to the community and neighbors yeah. one of the items is um a uh uh is that whenever i trim the pomegranate if i just shove the clippings in with a little bit of honey yeah and into the ground i'd say four out of ten keep growing Wow. Um, you can also do an air rooting where you like strip a little bit of the branch and mm-hmm. add mulch and, and a little like get it nice and tight and add yeah. water in there. Yeah. The branch will start to grow roots. Then you can cut the branch and then put it in the ground and you have a tree. Wow. Um, so I have a lot of extra pomegranates and other plants because anytime I, anytime I prune something, I shove them into the mulch, in the compost, water it, and I don't know, a third of them 
depends on the plant. The fingerling uh -huh. limes, they don't do very well. The pomegranate <laughs> does very well. Uh, so I always have an abundance of other plants that we provide to mm -hmm. other neighbors and we mm -hmm. collect wood and we build tables and benches and raise garden beds, and chicken coops and yeah. So how long have you been at this property? How long did it take you to bring your property to this level? Yeah, and, yeah, that's a good I, question. I know so, it's not overnight. No, and so I was in escrow to buy a property and the property directly behind it went up for mm -hmm. sale. So mm -hmm. we're mid block. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up buying that house as well. So mm -hmm. the property is two different properties back to back. Mm -hmm. So the back property line they share, but they both have their own street and curb. I see. So it's 300 feet long by 45 feet wide. Mm -hmm. um, and this renovation is in the house that I'm not permanently living in right now. Mm -hmm. um, the Campbell Collective house. Mm -hmm. But right when I, the first thing I did when we bought it was put in the fruit trees in the front yard that make almost a fruit wall. Wow. You're supposed to have the fruit trees, you know, have several feet of air between them. Yeah. I looked at what their spread was going to be and I planted them intentionally to be touching each other all the way around to kind of make a wall, like a private kind wow. of yeah. area uh -huh. opposed to the proper tree three feet tree three feet of, of space once right. they're mature right yeah so uh so the first thing was to put those trees in uh -huh. i didn't have the gray water in at that time but trees take a while to grow so first right. were the trees and then i put fsc bamboo floor in and then eventually i did a roof and solar um and then more rainwater catchments um so a lot of the stuff for lbc was done two, three, four years ago, uh -huh. like the solar, but mm -hmm. some of the things we did recently. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I would say it's it's little by little, also it all costs money, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yes, a new roof costs some money, <laughs> solar costs some money. Uh -huh. But so when, um, when, when, what was the year that you bought the property? 2013. 2013, so that's 10 years ago. Yeah, so I've had chickens for probably seven years, mm -hmm. I guess. I've mm -hmm. had bees for maybe three years. I've mm -hmm. had rain catchment most of the time. Mm -hmm. But really, it was like fruit trees in and then keep doing all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, did you have any challenges in, in implementing those from like um, neighbors or, uh, you know, contractors? I mean, did you get any pushback? To I mean, yes. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of lessons learned. One is that my the house that I'm at is mm -hmm. on the Grandview side, mm -hmm. we, um, the goal was to, I, I want to add insulation. It's a 1920s house. The crawl space <laughs> is about that high. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The attic is about that high. So you really can't get in there. Wow. And I hired some contractors to do the work and they didn't put a pin. They did a crappy job. So I got to get under there. They're supposed to patch things. So yeah, I've had a variety of errors, mm -hmm. I would say, but we've also, I've had a fun time building a lot of the stuff. I'm looking at some steps. Maybe I'll show you at the end here. Um, but I have some stairs that go up to like a loft area that we built with scrap wood. Right. My workbench is scrap wood. The table I sit at to work at is all like upcycled wood. The, mm -hmm. the fence in the backyard is upcycled wood. The chicken coops upcycled wood. The gates upcycled wood. Mm -hmm. The decks upcycled wood. Um, and a lot of lessons learned. The gray water system that we put in, um, we use two smaller connectors. So I've recently 
taking them out and put bigger connectors. Mm. Um, yeah. So you did a lot of sweat equity yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would <laughs> say most of the work we did ourselves and uh -huh. most of it we probably did twice because we uh -huh. did it wrong the first time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, yeah. did you did you get any pushback from the city in terms of like having the like yeah, almost so, have a food forest, right? I do have a food forest. The food forest, there's no pushback from the city. The pushback yeah. was my gray water system. Oh. And my neighbors had complained. And uh they complained because there's a vent for the compost toilet that goes up and then oh, out oh, the roof. That's... And they have a two-story house right next door, and their window is close oh, enough. Oh, that's the call. That's the call. Um, and so we weren't smelling it, but, yeah, um, but they, they, they called, and an inspector showed up and or left a notice, and I called him, and uh -huh. he's like, yeah, I need to come see, you know, do you have a gray water system or compost? I'm like, oh, I have a gray water system, but it's a simple system. Mm -hmm. So there's two ways you can do gray water. One, you can legally install laundry to landscape without a permit as long right. as you follow these like 10 or 11 steps you have to have a three-way valve mm -hmm. you have to have a stand pipe you have, to have you know you have, you can't store the water it has to be gravity fed you have to have an outlet and mm -hmm. has to have a cap you have a cap like two inches of air inch outlet two inches of air mulch so it goes into the ground and bugs can't get to it yeah. or yeah. mosquitoes growing mm -hmm. um so you can do laundry landscape without a permit but there's also a thing called a simple system Mm -hmm. We've got a five-page application. Very easy. Anybody, if you know how to drive a car, you, you can do this. <laughs> um, and you have to do a site plan and you draw it out. And in that case, you can take your shower out to the landscape as well. Oh, wow. And you don't have to have an inspection. Oh, really? So I told him, like, hey, yeah, I have a simple system. Here's my permit. It doesn't need an inspection. He's mm -hmm. like, well, I want to inspect it anyhow. <laughs> like, okay, uh, quickly. <laughs> so we took the compost toilet out yeah at that time because we we're gonna have inspectors snooping around i see um one time i did build a deck in the front with upcycled material but it looks great and we got a fine like a 14 dollars fine because we didn't meet our front yard setback our front yard height oh. so we had to rip it out mm -hmm. um but as far as sustainability i would say the compost toilet is like the one that Luckily, they didn't write us up for that because mm -hmm. we took it out before he showed mm -hmm. up, but he was showing up because, mm -hmm. because we had one. <laughs> <laughs> so during for the living building challenge, that's when we went to the toilet. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, it's a sink on the top, and I'm legally required to have a flush toilet. Yeah. And that flush toilet, but they're like, well, you need to use non-potable water. I'm like, yeah, we wash our hands. They're like, well, that's not the full flush. I'm like, yeah. So I think that goes back to intent. Mm-hmm. I produced and captured 140% of the amount of water that we ever used on site. Wow. Um, and so I think in those cases, I get the rigor and you need to have a high standard. Right. But I, I made more water. I made enough water that I could have flushed the toilet the whole time. Yeah. So if you were to say, okay, you shouldn't have used that 0.2 gallons because only point five is your hand washing right. whatever yeah i had that water i made that water the water was produced on site it was captured by rainwater like i, I met the intent mm -hmm. and maybe there's a small window but yeah 
That's amazing. I mean, even in the drought in Southern California, you were able to. Yeah. So what I should have done was just use drink high quality atmospheric water generation water mm -hmm. to flush. Oh no, I could have used a city water to flush the toilet. So I could have used city water to flush the toilet mm. and had that be a hundred percent potable water flushing a toilet. Mm -hmm. and then wash my hands in the sink and that goes to the fruit trees. Right. They would have preferred that right. I wash my hands in the sink, go to the fruit trees and use city potable water for 100% of the toilet flushing opposed to 70% hand washed <laughs> and 30% city potable. Right. See how that doesn't make sense to me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. you want me to use 100% potable right. to flush the toilet versus the toilet, 30%. Yeah. And yeah. that qualifies. Had I done that, had I not had the sink on top of the toilet, mm -hmm. we would have got water pedal. Water pedal. Wow. I mean, had it, I wasted water, yeah. I would have got the water pedal. Yeah, that is that is really uh, I don't know uh, contradictory. But anyways, but you know, like LBC Living Building Challenges, they're so progressive that I would imagine you know you would Ray, you would have people's eyebrows raising like you know what are you guys doing you know and, and maybe i also think that then they should also be like okay the city came you took out the compost so it's only a four-month window mm -hmm. redo those four months and don't wash your hands mm. so they don't they don't have that feedback loop to be like hey I, I, we did all this effort all this work right if you don't like that you'd rather me waste potable water yeah to flush the toilet right 100 and wash my hands over there. We'll do that, and we'll prove that we can do that. And we'll do that. We'll make up those four months. They don't. They yeah. didn't give you the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Which is also another like I, I have a hard time believing how they're gonna, like really, grow. Mm -hmm. Because I would say if three hundred people applied of those three hundred, yeah, maybe fifty to one hundred shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But you're now disengaging with all the people. It takes so much effort, so much time, yeah. Yeah. all this passion. Right. And sure, some of them probably really shouldn't have, but. Like, I'm never going to suggest it. I'm never going to do it again. Really? No. Okay. Well, so what is your vision, though? What What is it that you envision for both for your home and in terms of your business? But, you know, as a whole, where do you think we're going with this whole built environment movement of like we're a lot of people are talking sustainability now, but you know, there's definitely more conversation around regenerative regenerative uh, projects. Uh, what is your vision? Where do you think we're going? Yeah, I think I, I do think that we need to continue to work with ILFI and others mm -hmm. to maintain existing buildings. You know, fifty percent of your carbon footprint is in building it; fifty percent is in running it. Right. Not every building, not every case, but forty to sixty, fifty, fifty, sixty, right. forty. Right. So if that's the case, then we need to stop tearing down homes. We need to stop tearing down buildings and mm -hmm. we need to start keeping what we have and make it last longer. Mm -hmm. So get more life out of it. And mm -hmm. with ILFI, that's not, you're punished for doing that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. Right. Um, and I really think that, you know, with EC3 and Tally and other, you know, we're now at a place where we can really look at our EPDs and look at our carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. And so it's very exciting that wasn't available 15 years ago, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. to the extent that it is today. So we can really make informed decisions now mm -hmm. that we couldn't have made before. And that's really exciting. You know, you can run a house 
off grid with electricity. And I proved that you can have a water machine mm-hmm. to go off grid as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have the resource and I think atmospheric water generation today is where mm-hmm. solar energy was in 1981 or something yeah. really yeah. expensive. It used about 1.2 kilowatt hours per gallon. Mm. So, you know, you're talking 40 cents a gallon. So it's not cheap. Yeah. But if you have your own solar, who cares? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm making my own water and then I'm using it twice or three times. Right. right. Um, and also with the regenerative, you know, showing community how to do that. I go to the farmer's market every week and I have worked there. Therefore, I am allowed to trade with people at the farmer's market because yes. you can only do that if you work. <laughs> yes, there. <they're> good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I come home with hundreds of dollars of free food every weekend. Yeah. And I also create community around the property where friends of mine that are at the farmer's market, they have too many tomatoes during peak tomato time. I bring those home. I give mm-hmm. them to my neighbors. I, mm-hmm. I then broker deals to local restaurants um, or I bring it back. And me and friends, we put the tomatoes and the onions and whatever we have, whatever's abundant. And then we make a soup. We freeze the soups. And a week later, I take them back and I give them a jar of frozen soup mm-hmm. or I make a juice. Mm-hmm. I freeze the juice. I take it back. And so now I'm like, here, here's one tenth of what you gave me last week. And they're like, yeah. great. I'm like, and here's some oranges and here's some kumquats. Here's some tangelos, mm-hmm. some mandarins. Here's mm-hmm. some eggs. Here's some honey. Um, and, you know, the carbon footprint of the food from the farmer's market is just that much better. I was just looking at something I was eating the other day in a package that somebody <laughs> had, and it was grown in Mexico, sent to Austin, packaged in Austin, and then I'm eating it in LA. And I'm like, <laughs> I love growing my own food. The other thing about growing your own food is that I go out and I pick what I want to eat. So mm-hmm. I can cut lettuce that I'm going to eat today. Mm-hmm. And so there's far less food waste. Because if I go to the mm-hmm. store or I go to the farmer's market and I bring home lettuce, it might wilt, it might go bad. Then I feed it to my chickens, so I don't right. feel so bad. I don't have yeah. food waste because all of our food waste, either the chickens eat it or it's composted Compost. and then it's turned to nutrients and they mm-hmm. give those to the trees. Right. So it's really a closed loop. Yeah. But I think when you grow your own food, there's far less waste. So if I'm mm-hmm. on vacation or I'm somewhere for a few weeks, yeah. Yeah. there's just a lot of food waste because you just oh. don't get into it in time. Tell me about but it. But if you're picking it when you want it, mm-hmm. then it's always fresh. Yeah. And then if you have a, a property where you have compost, we have three compost piles. One I'm always adding to, mm-hmm. one I'm letting brew, and right. one I'm taking from. Ready. Yeah. And so I always have fresh nutrients to use. I always have one that I'm adding and one that's uh, like decomposing. Mm-hmm. You know, what yeah. I love about this whole story with you is that you're in the middle of L.A., you know, you're yeah. not in the rural area doing this, and but it's you're in the middle, and I know exactly where you are. That's my neighborhood too, so I know, I know how rare that is. Yeah. Now, are you done with this um, project, or do you have more things to do? Yeah, that's a good question. So we're actually putting that pond in right now that I uh-huh. mentioned. So we actually moved the bees off site this morning. <laughs> Uh, so the bees are a little bit activated today. Um, <laughs> a couple of people got stung. That's uh-huh. what happens. Um, and because we're going to put in this water feature that will be the storage of rainwater, but also when you turn it on as the water feature, mm-hmm. I'm oxygenating the water, I'm churning the water, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put my rainwater in there. Oh, wow. And then I will also... Uh, there may... Mm, 
shower and laundry water will do the laundry the landscape per the code to go out if it happens to seep through a bunch of sand wow. and find its way into that pond mm. uh then maybe my shower water and laundry water <laughs> will find its way in there too um and so i'm upgrading i'm doing some upgrades because mm -hmm. i had too many rainwater locations mm -hmm. so to drain the water out and move it to a different location that's mm -hmm. one big lesson learned is mm -hmm. to have as few locations as possible mm -hmm. to really minimize the amount of time it takes me to use and drain and move and drain right and try and manage all the mm -hmm. water it just mm -hmm. the, the least amount of locations the better mm -hmm. so you getting it more efficient basically yeah yeah and creating a water feature i mean rain yeah. tanks aren't i've never heard anybody say rain tanks are sexy or like you know they're not, they're not, nobody dresses up as a rain tank for halloween <laughs> um yeah so i still have some rain storage especially for the first flush mm -hmm. but now my rain storage will be an, a, a landscape feature that's beautiful and then yeah. i there's a pool on the property mm -hmm. they've been meaning to to decommission and turn into a like a, a third of it into a pond uh -huh. and like a natural swimming hole. Right. So we're in the process of that. So I, what I did was I used those pool water mm. over the drought uh, after the living building challenge window, mm -hmm. I took the water and over three months, I just started using the water across the property, oh, wow. flushing the toilet, doing the laundry, filtering wow. it and watering everything drained all the water and then this last winter all the rains that filled the pool back up almost <laughs> halfway used all that too so the pool's been a water storage for the last couple oh, of years wow. um and now we're in the process but again you know it takes money to create a, a, mm -hmm. a pool that's right. a, a natural pond yeah swimming hole yeah um and then i'll use the other part of the pool for some water storage as well i see um oh. so there's a few more things so mm -hmm. a pond uh, you know swimming hole centralizing some of the stuff there's always stuff to do but uh, this, <laughs> the tour is really pushing me to like yeah finalize like that list that's been there for so long and like mm -hmm. you just slowly going down it we're like yeah. kah, 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 kah. <laughs> um the other thing is that i don't grow a lot of vegetables anymore mm. because i get all my vegetables for free at the farmer's market <laughs> and so you come here like oh you don't have any vegetables like well i get them as many as I want for free every week at the farmer's market by taking all my fruits. Right. Fruits are so much easier to grow mm. and fruit is much nicer with gray water. Mm. You know, gray water to veggies, they're a little bit more mm. finicky. And mm -hmm. how do you get the gray water to them if they're in raised garden beds in the ground? Right. Also the chickens like to eat the vegetables. They don't eat the trees. Um, so yeah. That's that's so, really exciting. Um, I'm so looking forward to the USGBC LA's uh, Green Home Tours. And uh, yeah, well, I'll give you a link. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll give you a link. So it's it's November 1st at I think at 4 or 4.30. Yes. Um, and I'll provide you guys a link. Yes, I have uh, the I, link. I have the link. Oh, good. Yeah. You can put that uh, yeah. in there. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. This is yeah. so much fun talking to you. And I can't yeah, I look to having come you. to the property and take a look and hang out. This was Izumi Tanaka with Home Green Homes podcast. Until the next episode.